church. Good morning, online community. So great to have you with us here today. For those uh, visiting for the first time, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor here of the Gathering Place Church, and uh, we're glad you're here, and we pray uh, more than anything you experience the love of God today, because love takes care of it all. The love of God casts out all fear. Let's uh, pray and get into the word today. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for loving us first. There are people here today, Lord, who are still laboring and working and trying to be good enough for you, for you to look upon them and smile. They see your face as disapproving and frowning, and that's from Satan. And Lord, we pray for them today. We pray for all of us today that we will see you correctly, that you love us just the way we are, but you love us too much to keep us the way we are. And so help us grow into the men and women of God you've destined us to be. But Lord, thank you for your grace along the way. And everybody said, amen, or oh, me, or what do you need to say right there? <laughs> amen. Um, so today I want to talk to you uh, a little more about the vision that we started last week. Our vision in the house is a thousand strong. And uh, we're rebuilding Last week, I began the message that we are rebuilding. Almost every church in San Diego County and the nation in the world is rebuilding. Uh, COVID is not completely over everywhere, but it is beginning to lift for us. And so we are able to get back into building the church with Jesus because that's what he's doing. And he's going to be doing that until he comes back or until we go see him. He's building the church. So we are rebuilding. And last week, I gave you four keys to rebuilding anything. And those four keys, I'm going to hit them very briefly and we're going to move forward. Number one is a burden. You have to have a burden uh, if you're going to see any change in your marriage or in your parenting or in your friendships or in your business, your church or your ministry, whatever it might be, you've got to feel it deeply because that is your, that is your, uh, the strength that enables you to get through the trials. Secondly is a vision. You've got to see very clearly what it is that you are shooting at. What you want to see happen. You've got to see it first before it can come to pass. Thirdly is favor. You've got to have God's divine favor on it. Because if it's a vision from God, it's bigger than you. And so God's favor on you will enable you to have all the resources and power you need to fulfill that vision. And fourth is participation. The way that Nehemiah, we looked at the book of Nehemiah last, last week, and he was doing an impossible feat. He was trying to rebuild the walls of the city of God, Jerusalem, and the stones had been burnt with fire. Stones that had been burnt with fire are unusable. The constitution of the material in that stone is unusable. You can't build with burnt stones. That's exactly what they did, and they miraculously rebuilt that wall because God was with them. Well, God is with you, and God is with us. And God takes broken people and builds the kingdom of God with us. Come on. Come on. Where were you when Jesus found you? And look at you now. I'm not saying look at your spouse. No, I'm saying look at you now. You've come a long way, baby. I know I have. So the participation was critical. In the rebuilding of the wall, the reason it was done miraculously was because everybody participated. Will everybody say that out loud? Everybody participated. Now say, that means me too. 
Yeah, nobody was sitting back and watching them build the wall. Everybody rolled up their sleeves and said, how can I help? They dove in, and that is how they were able to build that wall so quickly. So here's four ways you can participate. This is a review, and then we're going to jump into the next part of the vision. Four ways you can participate. Number one is to pray. We're in a 30 for 30. Every morning you're getting a devotional from me. I read mine this morning. I thought it was pretty good. It was very inspirational. It inspired me. And, and it's to get into the word in prayer 30 minutes a day for 30 days. That's creating a new habit for some of you to where you get into this rhythm. Because the way we will experience corporate revival, and I'll catch this, the way churches experience corporate revival is because people are having personal revivals. You get revived on the inside, you come to church, you're not coming to church sucking air, you're coming to church already praising the Lord, and you walk through those doors and you're already worshiping Him because you are experiencing a personal revival, then you come into a house full of people experiencing personal revivals, and thus we have a corporate revival. And so the way you get that is by stirring yourself up in the Lord through prayer. Secondly, is finding a place to serve. You've got to find a place to serve. If you're going to partner with Jesus, He's building His church. That's what he is doing. And so if you want to build with him, you've got to find your place on the wall. Number four is give. Be faithful in your tithes and offerings. Be, begin giving to the things of God with all your heart. And the Lord, I'm telling you, I was talking to somebody yesterday. They said, uh, for us to survive in San Diego, for me to be able to do what I want to do, we've got to move to a different state. And I said, stop that. What are you talking about? I said, where God guides, God provides. My wife and I, I, I got my first condo, a little tiny two-bedroom condo here in San Diego uh, when I was a single, single, and it was a miracle, the miracle provision. Then I got married, and then we bought our second home. It was a miracle provision. I won't bore you with the stories because many of you have heard them. And, well, actually, I wouldn't bore you. They'd be exciting, but I don't have time to tell the stories today. Well, it was a miracle provision, and now we live in a home that is so far beyond what I could ever have provided for my wife. She came to me one day and showed it on the computer. She said, that would be my dream home. I said, oh, well, thanks a lot for showing me that. I will never be able to get that for you. Why did you tell me that? And we're living in it. But it was a miraculous provision. I still pull up to it today. But because wherever you're called is where God will provide for you. Don't be pushed around by circumstances or the economy. Be pushed around by God. All right, and number four is how can you participate in the vision of building the church, this church, the church of Jesus Christ, is you got to bring people. you got to bring people. Everyone needs to begin inviting their friends, their family, their co-workers, their classmates. Jesus said it this way, go into the highways and byways and just compel them to come in. That's what he said. He said, don't even be polite about it. He said, look everywhere. Look in the highways, look in the alleyways, look in your back seat, look in your trunk, look for people. Invite them to come in. Everybody needs Jesus. So, and this is what I want to land on today, is how Jesus did this. Jesus was masterful at reaching people. We can't just be a holy huddle. It can't just be our four no more. There are people going to hell. We cannot be comfortable with that. We have got to break out of our comfort zone for somebody else's destiny. Can I hear an amen? amen. If we want to reach people for Jesus, though, we need to reach people like Jesus. If we're going to reach people for Jesus, we have to reach them like Jesus. And so today I want to show you four encounters Jesus had with individuals. Our vision here at the Gathering Place is 1,000. 
strong. That's not 1,000 people strong. It's 1,000 strong people. 1,000 people who are completely sold out to the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors yourself and go into all the world and tell everybody about me. That's the great commandment and the great commission. Any church that has a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission is going to go to a great church. But how do we do it? One life at a time. That's what Jesus did. One life at a time. And so I'm going to look at a passage. We're going to read a chunk of scripture here. And then I'm going to give you four examples of Jesus encountering individuals. Isn't that precious? That God came to the earth as a human being. He became one of us. He had three and a half years to accomplish his mission of demonstrating what the kingdom of God looks, living a perfect life, dying for our sins, breaking the power of death, raising from the dead, and then giving all humanity an opportunity to escape hell and come to heaven because of his shed blood. But the thing that is shocking and, and, and of course, really irritated his disciples because they didn't know why he was, this was, a, this was not a strategy any one of us would have come up with if he hired us as his campaign manager. I tell you what, we got three and a half years on the campaign trail uh, to make you the savior of the world. Okay, we're going to stop at this place and we're going to get the largest crowd possible, that place, largest crowd possible, that place, largest crowd possible. No, you know what he's doing? He's spending time with individuals. Wow. He spends time with you, doesn't he? The psalmist and psalmate said, when I look at the stars and the moon and the sun that you created, what are people that you even pay attention to us? And yet, you've crowned us with loving kindness. You've crowned us with glory and honor. And you've given us management over all of your creation. What is this? I mean, he just blows his mind. (laughs) If we're going to reach people for Jesus, we have to reach people like Jesus. One of my favorite passages to emphasize this point. Luke chapter 15, 1 through 7. Many dishonest tax collectors, as though there was, that's kind of redundant, Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. Gary, I'm going to try to read this whole thing and not preach as I'm reading it. I know I've never been able to do it, but I'm going to try it right now. This raised concerns among the Jewish religious leaders and experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, saying, look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to him. In response, Jesus gave them this illustration. You know, there was once a shepherd with a hundred lambs, but one, everybody say one, one one of his lambs wandered away and was lost. So the shepherd left the 99 lambs out in the open field and searched, everybody say searched, searched, Come on, highways, byways, backseats, trunks, school, sports, work, everywhere. Searched in the wilderness for one lost lamb. Everybody say, one lost lamb. Come on, church, this has got to get in our hearts. He didn't, oh, I didn't make it. He didn't stop until he finally found it. 
he didn't stop until he finally found it. With exuberant joy, he raised it up and placed it on his shoulders and brought him to church <laughs> and carried it back with cheerful delight. Returning home, he called all of his friends and neighbors together and said, let's have a party. Come and celebrate with me the return of my lost lamb. It wandered away, but I found it and brought it home. Jesus continued, in the same way, there's more glorious celebration at the Gathering Place Church over the rescue of one lost sinner who repents and comes back home and returns to the fold, more so than for all the righteous people who never strayed away. And everybody said, Amen. And everybody said, Amen. Ah, yes, Lord. The phrase that shocks me in this whole passage is the first one. Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I used to be one of those. Not just a sinner, I was a notorious sinner. Often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. There's four characteristics that Jesus had that enabled people to, for him to connect with individuals. The first one was Jesus was approachable. Notorious Sinners and dishonest tax collectors liked Jesus. Don't tell me that people don't like you because you're a Christian. Maybe you're just annoying. <laughs> Maybe you're self-righteous and they can feel your disapproval. I remember one time, come on, I'm preaching now, ooh. One time I was, I, I was a couple years old in the Lord, you know, and I used to be a notorious sinner. I'm not going to go into detail, but just let that say enough. And I remember a couple years after I got saved, I was in business here in San Diego, and my brother and I were in business together, and we were standing next to each other, and this movie theater had just let out, and our store was right next to a movie theater, and there was a group of teenagers, young 20-somethings maybe, and a, and a group standing over there, and I was, I was looking at them. And my brother read me like a book because he knows me. He looked at me, and he looked at me looking at them, and he said, oh, my gosh. Oh, thank God for friends, real ones. He said, John, while you're standing there judging those kids over there, just imagine a huge cross right in the middle of that group with blood coming down it. Oh. It's like, man really you had to go there she had to like oh man i remember that was 25 30 years 35 40 i don't know how many years ago it was a long time and i still remember that because it was man he busted me people can feel your judgment and disapproval that's why christians have a bad rap there are some who don't want to come to the light there are some who don't want to hear the truth but many times it's the way they're hearing the truth that repels them. Now, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the church down the street, okay? So you guys, you can breathe right now. Just take a, oh, man, I thought he was talking about us. No, of course not. I was talking to a friend just recently, and she said, she called me up this week and she said, I need to ask you a question. She said, and this is real, the more I, time I spend with God, 
the more grieved, the more my eyes open to the condition of the world. And the more greed my heart is. And the more I don't want to hang out with people I used to hang out with. And she said, I'm feeling more isolated. And and I, I don't know how to, I don't know. And, and I feel like I, I repel people because I don't want to do what they're doing. I don't want to say, you know, say what they're saying. I don't want to, you know, I just, I, you know, and I don't want to come off judgmental. I said, she goes, what do you do? How do you navigate the grieving and hatred to sin without isolating yourself or repelling other people? One word. Anybody? There it is. Love. God so loved the world. That's why Jesus was so approachable. Look, do you think he was a little holier than you? Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Think about it. He is holiness. And notorious sinners enjoy being around him. How? Do you know, we can all quote John 3.16, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. Anybody know the next verse? For God did not send His Son or His church into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him and His church the world might be saved. (laughs) Everybody say hallelujah and we can move on. See, people need two things in life. They need acceptance and significance. Just because you accept somebody just as they are doesn't mean you approve of everything. God doesn't approve of you and everything you say and do and think. But he accepts you because he's love. And then significance is I want to make a difference in the world. Can I be a part of your group and help make a difference? Absolutely. One, he was approachable. Secondly, Jesus was available. You know, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Nick at night. I wrote that down in my notes without even thinking about it. I was like, oh, dang. That's how you know the Spirit's flowing right there. Nick at night began 2,000 years ago when the Pharisee Nicodemus came to ask Jesus questions. Look, it was nighttime, man. Jesus is up early in the morning. He's praying to the Father all night, up early in the morning, ministering to people all day long, healing people just in the mass of humanity, in the midst of sin and brokenness all day long. It's nighttime. He's alone, man. He's probably like wanting to watch something. You're like, Restaurant impossible. You know, let somebody else do the impossible. I'm going to watch somebody else do the impossible. I've been doing the impossible all day. Let's watch somebody else do it. You know, and he said, and, and, you know, and then he gets a text, you know, from Nicodemus. Hey, can I come over? It's like, uh, didn't, I didn't see that. Leave it on red, right? No, he, he. He let Nicodemus come in. He was a Pharisee. You see, you can't 
assume anything about anybody when it comes to coming to Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Don't say, well, that person, that friend at school, that person at work, that, hey, if somebody said that about me, which they would have been absolutely right to assume that about me, would never come to Jesus, I don't know. I would have never come to Jesus because nobody would have given me a shot, given me a chance. Don't say no for me. Don't say no for people. Don't do that. You self-righteous thing, you. Jesus would choose you but not them? Really? We all smell in the presence of heaven, okay? I mean, just because maybe they stink a little more than you do doesn't mean that you get in because you stink less. I got one that's true. Praise the Lord. You're my one. That's all I need is one. One at a time. Jesus welcomes him in, and Nicodemus starts asking great questions. That is so key. That is so key. Listen to people who don't know Jesus yet. Listen to their questions. Now, if they're just being antagonistic, you know, that's not the right spirit. That'll, you'll waste your time. But a lot of times, even the antagonistic ones, they're really searching. They're coming off like, you know, arrogant or they're coming off jaded. They're coming off like they're just trying to attack you. A lot of times that's a defense mechanism. And underneath, they're really asking a question. And if you're trying to win an argument, you're going to lose a soul. We're not trying to win arguments. We're trying to win souls for Jesus. Listen. I'm, hey, look, greatest example on the planet is Pastor Mark Halpersmith. He was so obnoxious and annoying when he went to his small group, and I mean this, he hated Christians. He'll tell you his own testimony. He hated Christians. And he ended up going to this small group. He was so foul-mouthed, smoking cigarettes, so antagonistic and annoying, they let him come to the home group, but he had to stay in the kitchen. True story? Okay. And so one time, so the, the wives finally said, we, we're not going to come to the connect group anymore if, or, or if, not Pastor, if Mark comes anymore because he is just annoying. And the husband said, and it's not a wise husband thing. This is just the way this one played out. The husband said, um, we're not, we're not going to tell him he can't come. Thank God. Well, come up here real quick. Since I already popped off and I'm telling your testimony. But I got two more points to get through. The wives, that, wives of the two guys that started the group went to their husbands and said, if he's coming, we're not coming anymore. And these guys had a lot of male authority or something. They said, no, you're coming. And God loves him. So we will love him. It worked. It, go ahead. Now, you're not ready for this. Love works so well, you just aren't ready for what I'm about to say, for those that don't know it. He became their pastor. <laughs> they loved him into the kingdom of God, and he, pastored a, he and Shelley pastored a thousand-member church up in Canada. During the Toronto blessing. Jesus was available for Nicodemus. Nicodemus was so moved 
by his time with Jesus that Nick went back to his oikos. Oikos is a Greek word for your circle of influence. Jesus had no influence with the Pharisees. Pharisees in the Bible, by the way, are the religious leaders that were self-righteous and thought they were better than everybody else. They were the ones trying to kill Jesus. One at a time. Everybody say one at a time. Jesus was available for a Pharisee, one Pharisee who had questions. Jesus didn't like answer him like, like that. Jesus listened to him, and he had a discourse. Nicodemus, then later, when the Pharisees were plotting to kill Jesus, Nicodemus, you can read in the Bible, he spoke up to his oikos. He spoke up to his circle of influence. He spoke up to his Pharisaical crew and said, hey, 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 wait a minute. How do we know this guy? How do we know this guy is guilty before proven innocent? You know, I think we ought to just back up a little bit. Isn't that interesting? You influence one person, and then they go and they influence their circle of influence. And one person in that circle goes and influences their circle of influence. And it's a chain reaction until the whole world hears the gospel. You don't have to do. Most of you are never going to be called to preach in stadiums, but you are called to reach the person that sits next to you at work. And they might be a Pharisee. They might be a notorious sinner. And yet you need to make yourself available because Jesus is going to reach them through you. And then, did you know that Nicodemus was at the cross? And do you know that he and Joseph of Arimathea are the ones who buried Jesus? This Pharisee. that Jesus was available to have one-on-one time with, ended up being one of the guys who took his body down off the cross and buried him. We are about changed lives. That is why we exist. This church, the Gathering Place Church, is for changed lives. And the way lives are changed is when we can bring Jesus to them and then bring them to Jesus. Number three, Jesus was, oh, this one's going to hurt. Jesus was interruptible. Jesus was interruptible. I was listening to this woman preach this last week, and she tells a story how she was going to a conference. uh, It was on family ministry, a family ministry conference, and she was the keynote speaker. And she's on the plane, she has her earbuds in, and uh, she's got her laptop open, a laptop, and she's doing her notes, right? And the guy next to her taps her on her shoulder. You know, and she thought that, you know, the earbuds in the ears and the laptop open was clear enough communication, don't bother me, right? And she takes out her earbud, and she says she held it like this, like with emotion, like, I'm ready to put it back in really quick, so hurry up and say what you want to say. Right? It's like all these social cues that people just don't pick up on. And he started, he asked, oh, are you a Christian? And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And they did a little pleasantry and she put it back in. And as she's sitting there, you know, about 20 minutes later, it just gnawed at her so bad that she finally took her butt out and started a conversation with him. And he starts to pour out his heart to her about his daughter. 
And she was able to minister to him in such a way about being a father that he could not wait to get home and to do it differently with his daughter. And she said, you can be so busy with family ministry that you miss ministering to a family. Are you interruptible? Jesus was on his way to heal somebody's son, and a woman with an issue of blood grabbed him, and healing came out of him. He could have just kept walking on saying, well, good for them. But he stopped, and he turned around and engaged the woman. Jesus, his, his destiny wasn't a destination. His destiny was along the way, touching lives along the way. Our destiny is heaven, but our assignment is to scoop up as many people as we can possibly catch on the way. I believe many Christians know what their, that their destiny is in heaven, what God's will is for them in heaven, but I don't know that they know what God's will is for them while they're still on earth. And it is one at a time. You have people in your circle of influence I'll never meet. I'll never know. I can't bring Jesus to them, but you can. I was sitting at my desk one time with this interruptible piece, and uh, I was doing a sermon on evangelism. And I'm in my office, and I look up, and I'd hired somebody who was doing some construction work out on my front lawn. And I felt the Lord impress my heart, go tell him about me. And I'm like, I can't. I'm busy developing my sermon on evangelism. Actually happened. And look, the kids are going to come home from school, and Hope's going to need my help with dinner, and I've only got 30 minutes to knock this thing out, and my tech team needs my sermon on evangelism. I don't have time to go evangelize. God, my conscience could not let me sit there and do my sermon. Uh, what a Pharisee, man. I'm going to sit here and tell everybody else to do it, but I'm not gonna, I don't have time to do it myself. I was not interruptible. I put it down. I went out and engaged in the conversation and led them to the Lord. Would have totally missed it if I wasn't interruptible. Jesus one time was grieving the death of his cousin, John, and he went to be alone. Sometimes you're grieving the sickness or the death or the loss of a loved one in your life or some pain or some failure. Your grief doesn't allow you to be available or interruptible to those around you who are suffering and in pain. But I'm going to tell you something I've learned over the years. If you will minister to somebody else in the midst of your grief, you're going to get healed along the way. I'm telling you, it is powerful. When you're navel-gazing and you're caught up in your own pain and somebody else comes along with a need, first of all, it's annoying, right? Their need is annoying because I'm caught up in my own pain. I don't have the bandwidth for you right now. I've got I've to have my own party here, right? It's a pity party. Or it's just real grief, real sorrow. But I've learned if you will lift your eyes, and see the individual in front of you, and you begin to minister to them, you get outside of your own pain and outside of yourself, and the anointing and the love of God begins to flow through you to them, and you experience healing yourself in that moment. It's amazing. Jesus did this. His, his cousin, John the Baptist, the holiest man on the planet, got beheaded by a king because his wife made him do it, and Jesus goes out into the desert to be alone to grieve. 
Then he sees a multitude of suffering people come out, and it says Jesus was moved with compassion and healed them all. Jesus was approachable. He was not self-righteous and judgmental. He was available even at night. He was interruptible. And he was purposeful. Jesus was on mission. You know, the Jews never went through Samaria. When they had to get somewhere, they would literally go way out of their way around Samaria to get to where they were going. You ever avoid people? <laughs> oh my gosh. You ignore that text, that email, the phone's ringing, you see it. You just avoid people. I told Hope, I'm so glad we don't pastor our church in Ramona. She said, why? I said, because everywhere I go, I'd see people who left our church. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like that guy that got stranded on, a, on an island, and they finally got rescued, and the helicopter's lifting him off, and there were two huts there on the island. He says, what's that hut? Oh, that's the church I go to. Oh, what's that other hut? That's the church I used to go to. <laughs> I mean, it's pervasive. It's everywhere. It's all over the planet, right? And so it's like, I don't want to live in the town where I go to the grocery store, the gas station, the hardware stores. Oh, and I, you know, Hope and I were in the mall one time, and there was somebody that left our church a while back, and I saw that they saw us, but they didn't see that we saw that they saw us. And all of a sudden, they duck into the store, right? It's like, they've never been in that store before. They didn't even need to be in there. They were just like, you know. I've never done that myself to those who have. But Jesus is after everybody. Jesus was, is purposeful. He purposely went to Samaria to meet with a woman who was while she was at the well at noon getting water, which you don't do because it's the heat of the day, but she was avoiding people who would judge her. And Jesus went there. He was tired. He had says that in the scriptures. He was tired, and it was hot. And yet he crossed social, social, economical, religious, Racial grounds. He crossed barriers just to meet with one woman. And that interaction with her, that was the first evangelist in the New Testament. Oh, and it was a woman, by the way. Can women be in ministry? Seriously? Have you read the Bible? The first evangelist in the New Testament was a woman, and an entire town got saved on one sermon from her. And she wasn't just sharing. <laughs> Guys can preach, but women share. Same thing.
So I want to close with this. I want to talk about our house right here, this church. And I'm going to give you a really great piece of news today. We truly believe in the future of our church. We just came out of a gnarly season, didn't we? And this is a new beginning. This is a fresh start. We are the church planting team. And those of you online that call the Gathering Place Church your church, we are beginning new. What a great start. And so what we've decided is this. We so believe that God's hand is upon us. And we want our church to move forward like with power. That we want to make sure that we have the right people in the right positions to help our church move forward into the future. And so the leadership of the gathering place has decided there's two things you can do when you try to grow a church. One is you can staff because of growth. That means our church has grown, so we add more staff members. Another philosophy, which many of my friends use and their churches are exploding, is you staff for growth. That means we need to get people on the team to help our church grow. Even though we don't have the finances uh, readily to do that, we believe that as we add people to the team, the church is going to grow and the finances are going to be there to provide. And I've had so many friends tell me that's exactly what we did. And every time we added somebody, the church grew and the money came in and it was taken care of. And so that is what we're doing. And so um, I believe this week, Pastor Josh and Daryl Lee, he's going to put his notice in at work. And we are bringing Josh and Daryl Lee Hamilton on full time at the Gathering Place Church. And so I want to ask you guys to come up here, and we're going to pray over you. We're going to license and ordain them in the weeks to come. Uh, but for right now, this is just an initial blessing. And um, there are a lot of passionate people in our church and passionate about our church. But none of them are more passionate than these two right here. These guys love you. They love the house, and they love the future of the house. Josh and Daryl Lee, they're going to oversee, obviously, the worship ministry. Josh and Daryl Lee have wanted to do so much more in our church, and they just can't because they just don't have the bandwidth. And so we're freeing them up. So they're going to oversee the worship ministry. They're also going to oversee the next generation ministry. That's like from the college down to the babies. They're going to start with the high school and the middle school. Now, Kobe and Chris and Rachel are still in play. They're still on the team. Josh and Daryl Lee are coming as mom and dad. They're coming to oversee a generation. Pepsi went after a generation. Hitler went after a generation. Satan goes after generations. We're going after a generation. You got to go after a generation at a time. And so these guys uh, were prophesied over about 12 years ago that they were going to come to California and they were going to put it, they were going to ignite the youth. And so, uh, and I want you to know that Kobe, Chris, and Rachel are all excited about it, right? They're all on the same page. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, you guys have done a suck job, we're going to hire these guys at all. This is expanding and elevating so that we can grow. And so it is going to be powerful. Um, and then also, uh, Josh is going to be working with me 
uh, directly, and he's going to help with a lot of the admin and that kind of stuff. And also, Dare Lee has a passion for outreach. So Dare Lee is going to be overseeing, letting the city know once again that we are here and we're here to be a blessing. And so if you want to be on her creative team of ideas about how our church can reach the city and, and do service projects and have the teenagers involved in all that, you know, Dare Lee's going to be heading that up. So are you guys excited about this? All right. Because we're getting down to business at the Gathering Place Church. All right. So uh, will you guys all stand and, and, uh, and um, Dennis and... Mark, come on up here, and, and uh, we're going to pray over these guys. And um, See, our wives aren't here. Hope's not here, Shelly's not here, and April's not here. We are in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So we're not ordaining them right now. We will do that, but we do want just initial blessing on these guys because they are here to help build this house. And we want to bless them as they enter in. Amen. All right, let's pray. Yeah, grab that mic and let's do this. Just got a, I think, what is a prompting from the Lord? Why don't we do this? Everybody, absolutely everybody, we just stretch out our hands towards them. And now we pray spontaneous prayers. Whatever the Spirit gives us, just pause and say, Lord, how do you want me to pray for these guys? And whatever pops into your head, we all do it out loud. Okay? bless these guys. Lord, our church is the church. We bless them. We pray, Father, creativity and wisdom, faith, faith, boldness, courage. Father, I pray gratitude people to them. Help them build, draw people to north, south, east, west, Lord, to help them, encourage them. Okay, now as we're in this prayer posture, I want to ask you to do this. Will you just close your eyes? And this is a dangerous prayer, but it is going to be, it's a necessary prayer. Ask Jesus to give you eyes for the one. Come on, be like God. He sees the one. Ask him. Say, Lord, give me your heart for the one. And pray this prayer to Jesus. Say, Jesus, make me approachable, not judgmental. Come on, everybody pray that to the Lord. Jesus, make me approachable, not judgmental. Say, Jesus, help me be available for people. Say, Jesus, help me be interruptible.
and say, help me be purposeful and go after the one. There was something that um, happened a couple of years ago that clarified my understanding of my ministry. It was uh, the year before COVID, so COVID wasn't in the picture. It was the first Sunday of January of the new year. And I was in the praise pit down below and the band was carrying on. Uh, worship was great, nice presence of the Lord. And I was worried because a bunch of conferences that I'd scheduled hadn't been confirmed for the year. I'm thinking, you know, what's going to happen to my ministry? And, and this, is, this is really important. And, and Lord, you know, nothing's happened. And what's going on? What do you want to say to me about this? And the Lord said, I don't want you thinking about the events. I want you loving the person who's in front of you right now. From now on, you just attend to the person who's in front of you right now. And it clarified things for me beautifully. I thought, man, that's really simple. That's a way to look at life. So worship ended, and I came out of the pit, and Les and, and Donette were standing there. I said, hey, Les, and Les is quite prophetic. I said, hey, Les, would you just listen to the Lord for a minute for me? And uh, just tell me what he says. And Les, 10 seconds go by, and he says, the Lord says, don't worry about the events. Just love the person who's standing right in front of you. <laughs> Rock my world. Listen, we worry about significance. We worry about our ministry. We worry about calling. We worry about what to do next. You can forget about all that stuff. Just love the person who's in front of you right now. The most important person in your life is the person in front of you right now. And that applies to waiters, waitresses, mm -hmm. hostesses. Yep, it applies on. to people at the convenience store, mm -hmm. the checkout people, mm -hmm. at the Safeway store. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. The most important person in God's eyes in your life right now is the one who's standing in front of you right now. If we'll attend to that, he'll take care of everything else. Amen. Amen. Um, Amen. When I was uh, first pastoring, the church began to grow, and, and, um, and I needed an administrator, an assistant pastor. And, and this older man who I knew very well wanted to come on, but we didn't have the money. We had he wanted a few thousand dollars so he could live. And I looked at the book, says, we don't have the money. You see the book, and he says, well, why don't we just believe God? And I said, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, uh, so I brought him on staff. The church doubled, and then it tripled because I brought an administrator, the, the, the man that was needed at that time. And so when John was talking, I said, man, this is right on because it's not money. We need people. We need men and women of God like you that would have a heart for people. I mean, both of you have a heart for, for the people of this church. And so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new here, of course. Actually, I've been coming for what, about 15 years, but on and off. But, but, I'm, but I'm new here, but I'm so excited when you said that, that, that you guys are coming on full. God will provide. There's no question. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, Dennis, uh, at a men's retreat a number of years ago, you spent about 20 minutes with Josh, and you came out to me, and you said, you need to give that man the pulpit. I said, I've been trying. He's just been too busy. But he's not busy anymore with his job. He's going to be busy here, and he's going to be in the pulpit, and Daryl Lee is going to be bringing the heat, too. These guys are a blessing to the house and, uh, and, 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 it, and we're, we're stepping out in faith. He's stepping out in faith, and we're stepping out in faith. 
But I believe, Dennis, that's a prophetic word that uh, they're going to be provided for and uh, the church is going to grow and we're going to rock the city. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up. And uh, for those of you that are not familiar with how we roll here, um, Jesus said where two of you, two or more of you agree touching anything they ask, my Father will do it. That includes physical healings, miracles, prophetic words, whatever it might be. So as the prayer teams make their way up front, ready to pray for you, um, you can come up. And as Josh comes and begins to uh, lead us in a little bit of worship, um, come up for prayer. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, um, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. This is a prayer I prayed when I was 19 years old. And um, I didn't think Jesus was the answer at all. wasn't even in my thinking. I got invited to church three times by a co-worker. I finally went just to get him to stop asking me to go. When I went, I was captivated. I was like, wait, what's this? Why are all these people happy and nobody's stoned? I mean, that's actually what I thought. It was like, nobody's drunk and nobody's stoned and everybody's happy. I've never seen this before anywhere on earth. I went back three times and I went home and I knelt down on my bed and said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not. But if you're who those people down there say you are, I'm inviting you into my life. And that was almost 40 years ago, man. And it just gets better. My relationship with Jesus is so real. So if you've never given your life to Jesus before, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer. Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not. That's all he needs is an invitation. Just crack the door just a little bit. Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not. But if you are, I'm asking you to prove yourself to me. I'm giving you an invitation. I'm giving you permission. Because Jesus isn't just going to barrel into your life and make you believe in him. He needs you to give him a chance. When that woman at the well had that one encounter with Jesus, she ran back into the town. She told all the men, the people she would try to avoid, she told them all, come see a man that I believe is the Messiah. They went and they met with Jesus. And then they said to her this thing. We believed at first because of your word. And that's what's going to happen when you go after the one. They're going to believe because of your word. But then they said, but now we believe because we've heard him for ourselves. You're just a bridge. People have to hear Jesus for themselves. So I'm going to pray for those who have not yet given their life to Jesus. And I might be you online as well. I want you to repeat this prayer with me, just off your lips, just quietly, right there where you are, and then we're going to close up. And you might be in the house today. Just pray this prayer, just between you and the Lord. Say, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not. I'm not sure you're the Son of God, the Savior of the world. But I'm asking you to show me if you are. Josh leads us in the last song of worship. If you want prayer, you come up to the prayer teams while the song's going. And if you just gave your life to the Lord or you're asking to Jesus 
uh, to reveal himself. You're welcome to come up. They'll pray for you. But let's just praise our way out of here. I had one person say they love coming to our church because it's a happy place. And said it's happy. And so let, that's just the joy of the Lord. Let's all stand and let's, let's, let's end this day with a great song of joy and celebration. And you come up for prayer. And uh, here we go. Spirit, sound, rush and wind, fire of God, fall within. Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we believe. As we repent, turn from sin, revival and the smoldering breath of God, fan us into flame. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Fresh wind. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Hearts that burn, holy fear, purified. Faith indeed, fighters fight, strengthen what remains. We your church. So we the church, bear your light, lamp of flame, city bright, king and kingdom come is what we pray. We need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out, holy anointing, a holy anointing, the power of your presence. Pour your spirit out, 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 pour your spirit out. On our flesh today. Let all the redeemed let's sing it out. Let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. Move upon our praise. Sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. Let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. We can hear the wind blowing, blowing, blowing. Move upon our praise, sons and daughters sing. We can hear the wind blowing. We need a fresh wind. Blowing. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. Holy. A holy anointing. The power of your presence. 
Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us as we leave this place and go out to the world to change one life at a time. In the name of Jesus, let us be the light in a darkness. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. You are good. Good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, 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 sing it, you are good, good, oh. You're never gonna let it down. Oh. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. Let's sing it one more time. You are good. You are good. Declare his goodness in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Go and have a blessed week. Bring somebody next week. It's going to be amazing. Hallelujah.